Because a soulmate might be complete opposite of you, right? It could, it, a soulmate could be anybody, but it's someone who is, or a being, I should say, has created a soul contract with you before you came to Earth to say, hey, I am going to help you and you are going to help me at X juncture in our lives. Sometimes your soulmate is your partner, right? Your romantic partner. Sometimes it's not, and that's okay too. You're listening to Do The Work Pod with Amanda and Kate. Two fireballs exploring how doing the inner work shapes your outer world. So Amanda recently got addicted to TikTok, which if you're like us and are millennials, you may not know about. Well, Amanda's a year younger than I am, but so Amanda got addicted to TikTok. I am, do you know Gretchen Rubin? who wrote The Happiness Project. Oh, yes. So she has a podcast. I haven't listened to it in like five years. But on the the podcast, one episode that I listened to, because, you know, I've always been an early adapter of podcasts. Obviously. They talk about, and maybe it's in the book too, but I wasn't paying attention when I read it. She talks about absolutists versus moderators. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't moderate anything in my life. Like, I'm either all in or all out. Oh, mm-hmm. So I'm all out on TikTok. Yep. I honestly think that's such a good idea. I don't know where I fall on that scale of absolutists or moderators. I would like to think that I am a good moderator at this point in time in my life. That being said, my new TikTok habit <laughs> is not proving me as a moderator. I think I do. Actually, after having this conversation on a recording, I do think I need to, like, delete TikTok. (laughs) Just to be really clear, you guys, I am not a content creator on TikTok. This is Amanda speaking. I know we've had trouble with people separating our voices. This is Caitlin. (laughs) You're not a content creator on TikTok, but you are a content curator because (laughs) you send me are so good. So good. You know, I go through like deep waves of emotion and this like in some way actually does tie into what we're talking about in this episode. I go through like deep waves of emotion watching TikTok because the lion's share of the creators on this app are kids. They are kids. And like that's all a whole separate conversation on the fact that like kids basically can't be kids anymore. They're like wearing makeup and like which whatever. I sound like a fucking grandma, but Welcome to your 30s. I know, but like <laughs> it's different. I was wearing like horrible blue eyeshadow when I was 13. I wasn't doing like a full face and like winged eyeliner. I mean, one, my parents would have skinned me, I think. Yeah. But two, I didn't even know how. Wait, did you get your makeup from Claire's? Did yeah. You oh, okay. yeah. Did you have those little dual styled eyeshadow, liquid eyeshadow pens yep. that would crease so badly? Yeah. That was the first blue that I wore. Yeah, that was literally my exact eyeshadow. Great. Long story long. TikTok tidbit? TikTok tidbit. So there's like some really amazing spurts of creativity on there, which was originally why I got on it because my little sister showed it to me. It was hilarious, whatever. But there's also part of it that makes makes me really sad because there's a lot of younger kids, I think, who are on there seeking a specific type of validation, tension, or trying to like get some sense of fulfillment, which let's be real, all of us are. It doesn't matter if you're a kid on TikTok or an adult uh, sitting at your desk job on a Thursday afternoon, right? We're all looking for the same thing, but it's just really interesting and 
a little sad, a little interesting to watch the need for validity and how that's coming out visually with younger generations. And like, listen, we're still a younger generation. We just didn't have TikTok. We had freaking MySpace and AIM. Zanga. Zanga. Oh. Live journal. Man. But why? <laughs> I brought this all up because right before we started recording, Amanda was singing a thing from TikTok. I was busy thinking about boys. Boys. Yeah. Oh, we're not doing the full thing. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> That's we it. Could. Well, and as two cisgenders, heterosexual females, it made me think of love. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, so we are talking about love today, but not specific to girl loves boy, boy loves girl. It can be girl doesn't know who she loves, boy doesn't know who she loves, girl loves girl, boy loves boy. I'm even down with the people person who want to... Person loves person. Person loves person. You know, it can be person loves inanimate object. As long as you're not hurting an animal, I don't really care what you love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, At first I thought you were saying person loves animal, and I was like, well, to what extent? Well, yeah, <laughs> no. There's a comedian I actually... Um, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll send you that shit later. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you. Amanda didn't know I was turning on the microphone, but in honor of Drizzy Day, because today is Drake's birthday. Happy birthday, Champagne Poppy. Friend of the pod, come on the pod. Mm-hmm. I just thought we would spice it up a little bit. I kind of like the surprise attack because Caitlin and I have a habit of sitting down and talking and then getting in our own feels and in our own life planning that all of a sudden an hour has gone by and we still haven't recorded. So, would you say, in honor of Drake's birthday, you get in my feelings? Yeah. I have a playlist. You know this. I have a playlist on Spotify called Kiki. And it's because all the songs on there got me in my feelings. I'll make that a public playlist so you guys can see it. (laughs) (laughs) So we were debating because love is like everyone not just wants love or can experience love, but really and truly, if we get into the energetic side of all this, we all are love. That's our true nature, right? I mean, when you're a kid or a baby, when you're born into this world, you don't know anything except that. You don't have language. You don't have you know negative emotions. You just have what you're given, love. As we get older, all of that stuff gets a little bit more complicated, right? Because we're starting to understand our own identity, our sense of self, and who we want to orient to in a romantic setting. And that shit can shift pretty quickly. It can. And what you just said, it's what we are, is love. It made me think of Gary Chapman, who wrote The Love Languages, which everyone knows. There was an article in Vice last week that I read, learned so much. They compared capitalism to modern day romantic relationships Mm. and didn't know that Mr. Chapman was a Baptist 80-year-old priest. Wow. Fascinating. Maybe. Fascinating. Priest, sermon giver, I don't know, but associated with the church. But in this article, he was saying everyone needs love. That is just a basic Maslow's hierarchy need. You need love. But actually asking for love or saying, hey, I need love. Hey, I need attention feels so terrible. The five different love languages would empower people to say, hey, I need love in in more open dialogue in a way that invites someone into the conversation and teaches them how you grew up to receive love and still embody love as an adult. 
Yeah, I think that's actually a really good place to start. I tend to kick the quiz over to some of my newer clients from time to time because everyone like knows what they are. Everyone's taken the test, but it, I think it's important to understand your love languages, not just in how you need to receive them, but when you are in partnership or even in a friendship, which you and I have talked about, Kate, how the other person wants to receive love. And by the way, that also can change. Like, Caitlin, you just mentioned how I was raised affects the love languages. And by the way, guys, just let's take a sidebar for a second. The love languages, if you have no clue what we're talking about, totally cool. You can literally do a Google search or you can listen to the following five. <laughs> <laughs> Acts of service, right? So someone uh, helping you out with something. Physical touch. So that's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> well, the Vice article, which we'll link, really took a deep dive into separating physical touch as affection versus sexual, which as a mm. person whose primary language is physical touch, I was like, yes, finally. Yeah. Now I'm not just trying to bone. Like, right. <laughs> like I want you to like hold my hand or hug me or whatever it is. Like, to play with my hair or just, like, yeah. gently. It's so funny. My brother, sister, and I are all physical touch. But, you know, growing up, we didn't know this until this, you know, methodology came out. A few years ago, we were all sitting around together, and each of their partners was rubbing their head. It was late at night and just stroking their hair. <laughs> and my, my brother was like, there's literally no better feeling in the world. <laughs> I was like proof that we're from the same blood. Yep. But just like gentle, intimate moments. Yeah. And the way that the article separated a a sexual touch from an intimate touch is if someone does that, if someone's like, oh yeah, my love language is definitely physical touch, ayo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then doesn't feel like genuine love from a hand on the small of your back or gently reaching out to have a conversation then that's not your primary love language. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important is like looking at the love language actually in practice because when we're taking an online quiz, it's like, I don't know, you can kind of tell yourself whatever answer it is you want. Right. Back to the topic. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That was such an important diversion. So physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation. So yes, it is the I love you, but it's also I'm really proud of you that you did that. I am really impressed by that. I love that you can X, Y, and Z. So it's it's affirming or I really even look at it as seeing someone with your words. And that can be verbal, but also I have friends who are words and they send the best letters in the mail. Ooh. Like who who uses the mail? Yeah, that's so that's like the best. That's like extra layers there. That's so <laughs> good. But also to your point about it not having to be like vocal verbal, a text message. I think Caitlin and I, not to tutor on horns as friends, do a really good job of like, I'm so proud of you that you did that. That's amazing. Can we pause for a second and talk about how well you navigated that? Because we both know that's each other's love language on both ends. So it's just like, if you read through our text, it's just like one stream of hype girl consciousness. You know, so that love language obviously can come forward, I guess, in a couple different forms. Gifts. Here's the thing about gifts. I used to be so anti-gifts. I even said it on the podcast earlier. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone recently and he was saying that gifts are his and it really struck me as strange because this is like a very non-materialistic friend. And I was like, I just don't understand that for you. And he was like, he's an artist, he's a creator. He's like, I love making things with my hands and giving them to someone, giving that thing to someone. Mm-hmm. And or even if it's not handmade, if I am in a store and I see something like, oh, that reminds me of this person, nothing brings me more joy than doing that. And I, I actually started to reorient because I do that a lot for other people. Right. But does he 
when he receives he gifts, likes to receive it too okay because he puts so much thought into the giving he also understands that other people gave so put so much thought into the giving I think that a lot of people actually write off gifts as a love language because at least a lot of people that we know I think yeah because it can almost err on feeling materialistic and I I don't think gifts is necessarily materialistic when you're looking at the love and the energy that goes behind it. Is I, it my favorite to receive? No, but... No. But to your point, especially if someone goes on a trip and brings back a very thoughtful... Oh, it's not the actual object, but it's the thought behind it that is so touching. 100%. 100%. And then what is last one? So we did gifts. Quality time. Quality. So it's not let's pound some brews and watch some Netflix. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it could be. I don't know. I mean, like, why not? That actually sounds pretty great to me. <laughs> but by pounds and brews, it's like, let me have three sips of a beer and then fall asleep. <laughs> right. Well, and I say that not because if that's someone's actual quality time, f- fine. But I think of quality time as doing something that's actually interactive. And sure, if alcohol or any other substance works as your social lubricant, fine. But to have true quality time with a partner, with a friend, I think to be in your true embodied state Mm -hmm. is where the quality piece comes in, not just time. Yeah, and I think that it also connects with the opportunity for intimacy. And again, not necessarily a sexual intimacy, but intimacy in terms of it's just us. Mm -hmm. Like, it's that old adage, right? You know that it's one of your people. I'm not going to say the one because we could be talking about friends. But it's, it's a person for you if you can spend time in complete silence and it not feel awkward. That is still quality time, right? To enjoy someone else's presence without dialogue. I think I sent you a quote similar to that this week. It was like, silence, if you allow it, can be the greatest form of intimacy mm-hmm. and trust, not emptiness. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. So all of that being said, what are your love languages? Physical touch and words of affirmation. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. Do you think that they've shifted for you at all, or has it been pretty consistent? Uh, They have. Four, five years ago, I think, it was words of affirmation first, Mm -hmm. and quality time. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. What led to that evolution? Start with the younger. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. Um, Maybe I just got smarter over the last five years, because to touch me, you have to be around me. (laughs) (laughs) So... Curious about the words of affirmation piece and how that shifted away from being number one for you. Oh, well, when I say it's, it's number two, it's like only by one point. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Words have always just been the thing. I'm I'm the friend that puts something in, like if you have a big doctor's appointment coming up, I'll put it in my calendar and send a text just mm-hmm. because that's how I feel love is yeah. words. You know? So what I was curious about with the shift for you and words of affirmation, I didn't know if it was similar to what I had experienced. Words of affirmation are great for me to give, and I love receiving them. Like, it's not not one of my top, but it's fallen from absolute number one for me to number three when I retook it. Wow. And I looked at that. Truly, I was, like, having one of my clients take the test, and I was like, I might as well just try it again, too. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) I answered this so honestly, and I was so sure. (laughs) But I looked at it, and I thought back to the first time that I had taken the love languages quiz when I was in not a super healthy relationship and words of affirmation was my number one. And it was not a true, I I didn't have the awareness. I don't think at that point, but 
my need for words of affirmation was really coming from the need for external validation, right? It wasn't like a clear lens where now I'm in a place where it's like, oh, no, no, I don't need anyone to validate me in a relationship. Like, I'm super valid on my own side. And I love to give you words of affirmation. I love to receive them. But it's, for me, the tone has shifted because I don't think it ever was authentically meant to be my number one. Wow. It was my number one when I was in a place of really grasping at straws to make this relationship work. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I just think they can shift. What are they now? So acts of service, which surprised me because I used to not care about that at all. I wonder if as the pace of life picks up and your free time shrinks, Mm -hmm. or rather it doesn't shrink, but you choose to prioritize differently. Uh Uh-huh. Because we always have choice. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Agency episode coming soon. I'm so excited (laughs) for that. We've been talking about it for so long (laughs) amongst ourselves. Go on. But yeah, now it's like, oh, someone recognizes how they can help support me yeah. And takes initiative. That, that's exactly, I think, uh, the adjustment is my life is flexible, but there are things like my friendships and my career and my dog that fill a lot of the time up. And I'll always carve out time for someone special. But if someone is thoughtful enough to think, oh my God, Amanda, she needs to wash her sheets. I'm going to wash it. Like that act of service, like that could make me cry. <laughs> Because it's like the dumb tasks that I'm a Virgo, so I'm going to get it all done. Yeah. But I have to really be careful at what cost, because if I want to knock out everything on my to-do list, I might be up until one in the morning. Can I just say, I'm so sorry I didn't wash your sheets when I stayed at your home last week. (laughs) (laughs) That is not even... I know it's where my mind went. But I didn't know you'd shifted, and so it's fine for me to know. I literally do not care. (laughs) I do not care. I sit on your... The second I come into Caitlin's, I just like run to her bed and lay down. So (laughs) that's fine. So here's something that... Wait, but what's your second one? Oh, that's right. So acts of service and then quality time. Okay. So I'm same, same, but different with quality time. Because if we're having quality time, that means that we are experiencing physical touch. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin and I are bending the rules of the love languages. What else is new? (laughs) But I, I think the acts of service and quality time, based on my where I'm at in my life, those things go hand in hand because I don't have a ton of free time. So when I do, I would love for it to be quality time. Yeah. And if you can help me find more free time by an act of service. Oh my God. I'll propose to you. <laughs> Getting me? The modern day woman. I mean, like, let's not go that far. <laughs> well, you, you never know. know. <laughs> oh. So, something else I want to talk about because the love languages conversation, like, we're talking about love through some more of the new agey lenses for, I mean, they're all just like boxes, right? Some boxes are positive, some are negative. I think the love language is a positive box, right? It helps us understand how we need to or how we best relate to someone else. There is another concept within the realm of love that I think comes up a lot in our communities, which is the notion of a soulmate and the notion of a twin flame partnership. Mm. I know. <laughs> But personally, that I didn't know what the hell a twin flame was until maybe four or five years ago. And that knocked me off because I was like, I thought it was just soulmates. Now you're telling me there's twin flame? I didn't know about twin flame until same two, three years ago. Whenever I met Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> same. Brit Bloom. 
go Eve inspired. <laughs> I would love for you to define twin flame because I can't. So I think about like what a twin is, right? A twin is essentially your mirror. I always wish I had a twin side note, but a twin is your mirror, right? A twin flame is an energetic or a soul mirror. Meaning, and by the way, twin flame also does not have to be romantic, neither do soulmates, and we'll get into that in a second, but they match your intensity, but that intensity might not always be passionate, fiery, romantic love. You could have a twin flame in a negative part of your life or in a lower part of your life, right? But the purpose of a twin flame is to mirror where you're at and for you two to have your growth be accelerated by that partnership in whatever form it takes. Caitlin and I both know, I would say, platonic twin flames. Mm-hmm. I have had a romantic twin flame. And I think the the important thing to call out is that these don't always end up being lifetime partnerships. And neither do soulmates, right? The difference, I think, simply is twin flame will be the mirror for where you're at, and you'll share, like, really powerful or, or synchronistic similarities, whereas a soulmate might be complete opposite of you, right? It could it, Soulmate could be anybody, but it's someone who is, or a being, I should say, has created a soul contract with you before you came to Earth to say, hey, I am going to help you, and you are going to help me at X juncture in our lives, Sometimes your soulmate is your partner, right? Your romantic partner. Sometimes it's not, and that's okay too. Your soulmate can be, Kaylin, you're you're one of my soulmates. Oh, 100%. Right? A sister can be a soulmate. I've had bad relationships and not great friendships also be soulmates, right? Because they launch you into a different, or the attempt or the goal is to launch you into a different type of self-exploration. Is twin flame always negative or that's just the PTSD I experienced when I was <laughs> it no. in my personal life? Twin flame, I believe, is mostly positive for people. I've had a negative twin flame too. I, you know what? I'm actually going to retract that. And I say from the fact of like, it was tumultuous and it was yes. a mirror yes. and it was, wow, what? Yeah. The fire was there, the flame of illumination mm-hmm. of where I was at in my life and how I defined worth and love and all those things. Burned up. Yeah. <laughs> for the better. Yep. But I will say, though, wasn't that twin flame necessary then at that point? You needed that exact mirror to elevate your awareness. Let's say you are in a twin flame partnership now. That would mean that the person you're with is seeing you and understanding you on that deeper energetic level for where you're at now. Holy shit. Yeah. Because look at all the awareness you have. Yeah. The uh, the one I'm thinking of from the past. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of my favorite things from yoga, actually, you spoke about having a soul contract with someone before you came to Earth. At the end of teacher training, my teacher said, you always find your sangha again. And sangha is like Sanskrit for community people. And it was the most reassuring thing I've ever heard and especially I mean this is a little bit of a sidebar but when I get kind of caught in the spin of mortality to have that reassuring oh we all find each other again Mm -hmm. every single time and then I took it I took that and really integrated like I'm so glad it only took us 30 years to find each other this time around I know let's make it fewer next time around done done apparently I'm not coming back to earth 
you know what? But I'll come back. I have a choice, apparently. This is what psychics have told me. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm going to come back for you. I'll come back for you. Listen, it was a happy day with Drake's birthday, okay? <laughs> Just, I'm coming back. Coming back to your community. You'll always find your community. You'll always find your people. I'm going to yes and that. Please. You always will when you are in the frequency of love. Right? And this, this comes back to doing the work, right? To figuring out what within you might need to shift or what traumas or what blocks you need to work through so you can be the fullest expression of yourself. That expression being love. Because if you cannot shine out your truest nature and that frequency, then your people, like the soul people, whoever you have contracts with, friends, family, soulmates, like they're on the romantic side, those people are not going to find you or it's going to take a hell of a lot longer for them to get to you because you're in a state of hiding. I say this as if I've mastered that art. (laughs) Those who can't do teach. (laughs) I'm sorry. Those who can't do (laughs) podcast. It's such an evolving practice, right? I mean, look back on your dating history or your life. Now we're obviously guys talking about romantic relationships, but I think about like the youngest version of myself when I was dating and I was so hidden and so closeted in terms of who I actually was at my core, you know, where it was like, oh, I'm going to let my people pleaser out. Oh, I'm going to let my cool girl out. But I was never actually letting my true self out. And then I would always ask myself the same question. Why do I keep attracting the same kind of person? Retweet. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I say this, you know, <laughs> again, haven't mastered this, right? But it's, it's an awareness of looking for the spots where you feel yourself hiding, and, and it can be romantic and can be in friendships where you feel yourself hiding and not letting your true essence or your true nature of love actually out, right? Because if it's if you're afraid of deterring or pushing away the person in front of you because you're going to be yourself, get over it and push them away. And I don't mean like, you know, be a dick about it, but get over the, the fear of letting your true self out. Because so what if it deters a couple people who aren't right for you? It's going to draw in the people who are. It's just like the new Taylor Swift album. I don't want to lie to you just to keep you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's so easy, I think, to intellectualize. Like, it's it's harder to put into practice. And I think for anyone listening who's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But, like, how? I wish there was a magic button. The truth is that you just have to... Well, there is a magic button, quote, unquote, of your intuition, right? Because we all know when we're feeling off. We all know when we're starting to feel like we're hiding a little bit or we're not showing up or we're not in the frequency of love. And so alternative frequencies might be that of judgment or anger or resentment or fear. That's not love. None of those things are love. You feel that shift in your body. So the, quote, unquote, magic button for creating the shift is first understanding how you feel moment to moment, how you feel around who, and then when things are not feeling as high vibe or as positively energetic, I'll say, that then presents the opportunity for you to, and this is where the hard work comes in, for you to say, okay, I'm gonna just like be myself a little bit here. I'm gonna keep sending out my unique frequency of love and Amanda, my unique frequency of love and Caitlin, or whatever your combination is, and show up as yourself. There's no perfection. No one does it perfectly 100% of the time. But you've got to start trying to begin to repattern your brain and your subconscious to actually default to showing up as yourself. Everything about that is so beautiful. Something you said about friends or partners and being in that frequency. And I'm circling this back to coming back to your people. I had an energetic shift in the past few weeks, and I wouldn't look at it. Just wouldn't look at it. 
thought that I had the world fooled. (laughs) (laughs) Because I always think that, right? We knew. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it wasn't, I was like, oh, I expect Amanda to know. I expect a handful of people to know without verbally communicating. And then I got messages from three people who I would very much consider inner circle. Mm -hmm. But hadn't been in contact with. And just straight up, hey, you've been quiet. What's going on? Hey, just checking in. I want the raw truth. I don't want anything. And until I got that message literally two days ago, you've been quiet. What's going on? What's the raw truth? I realized I wasn't in my frequency of love and Caitlin because I didn't want to look at my raw truth. Therefore, I was staying in this alternate Mm. frequency and unable unwilling, unwilling Mm -hmm. to go back to that frequency because it would mean I'd had to do the fucking work. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so much in what you just said. One, I want to acknowledge the power of your frequency, whether it is love or something sub love, right? There's a doctor, uh, Dr. Uh, Hawkins, not Hawkins. He developed the scale for vibrational frequency of human emotions I can't remember if we've talked about it on here before, and, and I'll link. We'll link to the chart because it's it's a it'll come up in our manifestation episode, regardless. But love is one of the higher vibrational frequencies for human beings, uh, whereas fear or shame or guilt or worry rank much lower on this vibrational scale. But I want you to think about this for those of you guys listening. Think about it as sonar pings, right? So the strength of a sonar ping, the strength of love is strong and light, while the strength of fear or silence, which, I mean, silence isn't necessarily frequency, but what is contained in the silence, is also strong. It's just on the heavier side. So even without saying anything to these people, Caitlin, your energetic frequency pinged out. Hadn't seen them in months. Yep. Yep. And if if that's so powerful on the side of our heavier emotions, imagine how powerful it can be when we are really doing the work to vibrate in a state of love or shifting our frequency a little bit higher. That said, because I also want to acknowledge your point, sometimes you know the work that needs to be done, which is, okay, I need to look at the raw truth of my situation or, or my relationship to self and how I relate to people. Like it could be any of those things or something else. Sometimes knowing what you need to do is enough if you're not ready to actually do the work on it. Because sometimes that feels like a lot. You know, it's not like we have to eat the whole cake all at once. Sometimes you need weeks before you're like, I'm ready. (laughs) I was talking about this actually with a friend two days ago in relation to her current reality, not my current reality, not that it matters, but... She was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know exactly the way I am. I know why I do the things that I do. And I know that this is, like, the work that I have to do, but I choose to do nothing instead. Ultimately, I could sit there and get frustrated with myself, but in a way, it's this containment of, like, purgatory, mm-hmm. where at least I don't have to find out if I do do the work and I don't become realigned to love like that love frequency or that higher frequency or have, quote, a better outcome than current reality, that would be really scary if I went through all the work to realize that there's uh-huh. nothing on the other side. And so that, that like, languishing, that's so interesting. Purgatory is the best word, right? You're, like, languishing in the, the feeling of, oh, well, at least this is 
kind of shitty or kind of whatever is better than nothing. We need to take breaks from doing the work sometimes. That's totally fine. But when it gets to the point of us feeling like we're in a state of purgatory because of a fear that it won't be better on the other side, that's work to look at. Because when something is coming up for us, and especially, especially in the realm of relationships, something is coming up for us where we're feeling uh, in a place of unrest, not feeling seen or not feeling loved. Usually when we avoid looking at it, it's because there's a fear of the truth that, okay, that person can't match me or this relationship isn't working or there's some need not being met. And so the fear of seeing that prevents us from looking at it, but we're free. That's still a short lens at the whole situation. Because in your friend's example, right? The fear of like, well, what if I can't get back into the frequency of love? You always can. You always always can. That's your true nature. It would be damn near impossible for you to not get back to the frequency of love. What people I think are really afraid of is the change, not actually the love not being there, not not being able to get there. It's the change it's going to take to get there. And what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Not, and maybe to change itself, yes, is is arduous and what that looks like can be intimidating. But the actual, the other side of change, because it will look or could look drastically different than current reality. And though love may not be present, the ability to cognitively see that yeah. is terrifying. I have an example to make this really clear. Great. <clears throat> so I was in a relationship a couple of years ago or a something ship. And a situation ship. Oh, God. Such a long, damn situation ship. I was feeling very intellectually seen and on some days very emotionally seen. But some days is not enough, mm-hmm. right? Especially when I was very much walking up to the line, probably going over the line, which was overextension on my part. I could recognize all of that. I had at least that awareness at the time. Like, I'm overextending and I know that my needs aren't being seen. I know that I'm getting a little bit taken advantage of because I'm... I want the relationship and he knows that and he'll take, he'll show up bare minimum and I would still take it at that point. Side note, bless up that I've changed. <laughs> Side note, Drake quote, you're fighting over crumbs. Where's the bread at? Oh, champagne poppy front of the oh. pod. Come on the pod. <laughs> Don't at me. 26 year old man, 25 year old man. <laughs> I, for a really long time, even though I understood what was wrong, what needed to shift in me and really the action steps that needed to be taken, like your friend, I chose to languish for months. I was like, I'm just going to like be a little miserable because I knew the person I was becoming would never be with the person that I was with. Not that he's even a bad person. He's a wonderful person, great heart, but not an energetic match long-term. So I languish. I chose to stay in that purgatory because I was not ready to create the shift and rip the bandaid off. But there is a breaking point. I think it happens for everyone. It looks a little bit different for everyone. Sometimes if you're not going to hit the breaking point, the universe will make it happen for you. But in that situation too. But there was a point where I was like, I literally can't do this anymore because my calling requires that I expand at this point. It's like not even about me. And so I had to eventually (laughs) muster up the strength to, to shift that relationship. And truthfully, it wasn't pretty, but... I say this as an example because I get the languishing, right? Because it's not fun and it's not pretty to have to have like a parting from someone you love in one way or another. But oh my God, now could go back four or five years ago and tell that Amanda, girl, rip the bandaid off, dude. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. But what I was telling myself at that moment in time to tie all of this together was he's my soulmate. Now, with the understanding that I have 
Yeah. He still is a soulmate. I still love him. He's wonderful. But do you see that shift? You said he's my soulmate mm-hmm. at first, and now you said he's a soulmate. Mm-hmm. He was, and I really and truly believe he was a twin flame. Absolutely a twin flame. Exactly what I needed at that point in time. Because the wounds were the same. The passions were the same, but the wounds were the same. And it was the biggest universal choice for me to say, I don't want those wounds anymore. And I don't want those stories to be mine. Um, so it was a beautiful twin flame relationship. But I, I really had to unhook from the idea that you only get one soulmate. And after that, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you get a million. You get, you a get million. as many as you want. You get so many soulmates. Which, not to be confused with twin mortalized. Flame. Well, yeah. Yes. I was going to say polyamory. <laughs> oh, yes. Let me be real clear. <laughs> we are not talking about polyamory. Yeah, we're not talking about having all your soulmates in... A relationship at once together, just experiencing them as you continue to grow and shine mirrors on your life throughout life. Yeah. That there are more than one soulmate to help propel your growth. Well, here's the other thing, too, with soulmates as it relates to love is like a soulmate also does not have to be someone that you are in a relationship with. I'm thinking of a, of a specific friend who had like a brief a really amazing chance encounter with someone while she was traveling in another country. And it was like immediate deep love. Actually, two friends had very similar experiences. Immediate deep love, like all of these amazing conversations, so much personal growth for both parties involved. But that relationship was never going to turn into a real, you know, we are now, you're now my boyfriend, you're now my girlfriend relationship because I wasn't the container for it. But that doesn't minimize the love that was there. It doesn't minimize the lessons. And it wound up thinking of one friend specifically, she was like, I would have never been ready for the boyfriend that she's now engaged to. And this all happened within like a year. She wouldn't have been ready for that guy if it wasn't for this chance encounter with this like very brief soulmate because of all the stuff he brought up in her and all of the lessons she was like forced to really see. That was cleared out of her system, energetically, emotionally, spiritually, so that she was then in the frequency to attract the person who was actually meant to be there for a longer-term life partner. That's so beautiful. Think about it like um, like Tetris almost. It's like things shift in and out, and like there's a place for everything, but sometimes once the things get into the right place, They're they not- like disappear, and that's okay. It's making more space, you know? Oh, I love that, that they disappear. That's not Tetris, but... Is it Snood? No, that's Mario Kart. I had to, you know, come back to TikTok, man. I had to delete Snood off my phone. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I don't even spend that much time on my phone. What's your screen report? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I'm lying. I went to go see one of my favorite authors talk two years ago in San Francisco when she released her memoir, And the memoir had some stories of love in there. But it was a group of women who she was speaking to that night. And she said, I don't know about you, but the biggest heartbreak I've ever had isn't in this book. And it was a heartbreak with one of my best friends, with a woman. And she's like, has anyone ever had a heartbreak with any friend that has hurt more than a romantic partner? And I felt punched in the gut. And everyone's hand went up in the air. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Just thinking about all the different forms of love. And that was validating for me in a sense because when I lost a friend, not through death, but (laughs) it 
really was so painful. Yeah. Um, And to know that others felt that way, right? Having that community to have your experience mirrored with and kind of compared made me feel like I wasn't abnormal to be so upset over the loss of a friend in my life. Yeah, people don't talk about that enough. I mean, I feel like friendships in general, adult friendships, I'm seeing more articles come out now about like, hey, it's hard to make friends as an adult. Yeah, Yes, sometimes our friend group shift as our interest shift and as we become more self-aware and we do the work, but there's really not a ton of literature that I found specific to what you just said, which is like mourning the loss of a friend breakup, which, I mean, if we're talking about love, we might as well talk about all aspects of it, which is the perceived loss of love. And I'm going to say perceived because... Yes, that friend that you're thinking of or exes that we've thought of or the almost woulds but never wores because we've all had those too. It's a perceived loss or that's the framing I'm going to suggest because just because someone is no longer in your life doesn't all of a sudden invalidate the fact that there was once love, right? There's a statement or a quote, lack of proof is not proof of lack, right? So just because something isn't here anymore or isn't here yet doesn't mean that it wasn't here or that it's not coming to you. For example, let's say uh, you want to get married just because you don't have your husband right now or you don't have your wife right now. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But that, that awareness can work in reverse. Just because that friend is not in your life anymore doesn't mean that there wasn't love there. And that shift, I think, is really, really important because if we're talking about being and doing our best to stay in the frequency of love, it is to acknowledge it in all of its shapes and forms. And sometimes, to be honest, most of the time, that isn't the romantic movie, lovey-dovey, oh my God, sweep me off my feet. Most of the time, the different shapes and forms of love are a little bit more difficult, right? Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say most of the time, but there are a lot of types of love. There is partnership where we're working through something. There is the loving release of a friendship. There's the loving release of a relationship, right? It has so many different shapes and forms, but it is never not there. It is the framing and the way in which we choose to look at and approach it. That is the abundance approach to love rather than lack, right? I lost a friend. I lost a blah, blah, which I say that all the time. I'm trying to check myself on that. But Well, even to your point about the perceived loss, it made me think exactly of the Tetris thing. Mm-hmm. She was the last little tidbit to complete that row, and the row went poof, and then there was more space in my container mm-hmm. to invite people into my life like you and a bajillion others. I think about that all the time. Which which is not um a jab at well I upgraded. I don't I don't feel that way at all. No, no, no. I genuinely still think about and wish the best for this person. But perhaps it was a loving release. Yeah. Well I think that was sort of the piece of the homework I was thinking about for today because We talked a lot about getting into the frequency of love, whether that is, it doesn't matter how you view that, everything is love, but it takes practice. We need to understand how to acknowledge love around us. So can I ask you something? Yeah, of course. How do you get into the frequency of love? Mm. So it's by this homework actually, but I'm sure there are other ways I'll think as I'm talking, if I can do that. It's in the acknowledgement of it everywhere that I see it. Like really, when when I'm present to it. But one of the simplest shifts was when I was in a bad relationship, when I would see happy couples, I would be so annoyed. I would roll my eyes and be like, ugh, that's so annoying. 
where now I'm like, that's amazing. You go, you hold each other's hands in public. You be weird and loud and embarrassing with each other. There's that sort of appreciation, but really in the smallest moments, like how amazing is it that when I parked my car and walked over here, the sun was perfectly shining. That's love, right? It, the simple appreciation of what's around you. It's presence. And also, it sounds like gratitude too. Presence and gratitude. And I also think it's important to bring in the idea of circulating that energy, right? So mm. everything I just said is me acknowledging, but it, that's not enough. You've got to also circulate. I think about days when I've had just like really good high vibe days, I naturally have more energy to reach out to a bunch of friends that I haven't talked to in a while because it, not because I feel obligated, because I feel called to, I have a surplus of love, right? But you can also like start that momentum, reach out to someone. Hey, I've been thinking about you, buy someone's coffee behind you. It's an extra, what, two, three, four bucks. Doing things that stir the momentum and get you in frequency and get you in connection. Smiling at a stranger is free. And as long as you're smiling at someone who does not have an ax in hand, it's going to be pretty safe. I was so caught off guard because a stranger smiled at me yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I realized how I never smile at strangers. Ever, ever, ever. It's a lost art. And I was alarmed. Mm-hmm. But it really did affect me. I was yeah. like, oh, oh. Try, literally try saying hi to someone on the street. It is strangely terrifying and then amazing afterwards. Just, I mean, I, I'm in a neighborhood where you see the same people on the street all the time. So I just started saying hi to the people. I'm like, hi, hi, how's your day? How's it going? And like, you can tell they're a little caught off guard too, but now they're the ones saying hi, right? You've got to start the frequency and the circulation because we all are just looking for connection. Mm -hmm. And it's love is the connection. It doesn't have to be romantic, could be, but like, just say hi, acknowledge other people, see other people, freaking pull in the five love languages with some strangers. An act of service is holding the door open. A gift is buying someone's coffee behind you. Get into those tools and use them to shift the frequency. I love that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, that really was the homework. Well, it was a two-parter. Okay. One, how can you begin to acknowledge love all around you? The frequency of love. So we're not even just, it's not romantic love necessarily. The frequency of love. And take a moment of pause and a moment of gratitude. Be present to that. One B is create the circulation for yourself, right? So do one of those things that we just mentioned, just so that you can start to get the, literally, I'm doing like a pot swirling motion right now, so you can get the pot, pot stirring. Momentum. Momentum, there we go. And then the other thing that I was thinking about that does touch on romantic relationships is if there is any perceived lost love in your life, right? An ex, a friendship, even like an estranged family member or something like that, because that absolutely counts. Do a little bit of journaling or a little bit of meditation on what within you needs to shift to look at that relationship as still full of love, just in a different form. Because, you know, to Kate's point earlier about like us having the container for love or having the, enough space, right? If you want to call more into your life, you've got to heal some of the stuff that you might be still holding resentment for. It made me think of my teacher always says the only prayer, and if that's loaded, prayer, saying, belief, mm -hmm. offering left in the end is thank you. And so how can you still find, even if it was a traumatic love or explosive terrifying, the best thing in the world, bun you into a two-year depression or you're still like on top of the world from it, 
how can you strip that emotion and story away and come back to not some bullshit hashtag gratitude, but a true, authentic, grateful, thank you for those experiences, the tools that I gained from them, the lessons that I can call upon for what comes in the future. I fucking love that. I was literally just listening to Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself again today. And the chunk that I was listening to literally on my way over here, of course, was, you know, we've got to transcend our negative experiences. Um, and whether it's love, he was talking in the more general sense, but anything perceived negative, we have to transcend. We have to look at anything that could have hurt us or kept us in a, a similar mindset. We have to shift that into gratitude and understand the lessons. That's the only way we're ever going to grow, right? That is the work. And I think about that quote that you shared all the time. Thank you is the quietest, simplest prayer. Mm-hmm. I literally, if I'm like too, quote unquote, too busy to meditate, says the meditation teacher, <laughs> sometimes I'll literally just sit and breathe on the, on the phrase, thank you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, thank you, Amanda, for today. Thank you, Caitlin. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.